Gavin. Louie. Finally. Oh, it has been ages. Ages. <laughs> Rock of ages. Rock. <laughs> cats don't dance. Oh my god, I love cats don't dance. I, I know you did. I, I mentioned purposely for Thank you. you. We need to somehow figure out how to talk about cats don't dance on Some, this show. Someday we're going to do a Don Bluth episode, which that might not even be a Don Bluth thing. I don't but think we'll, it is. We'll sneak it in. Yeah. It no matter what, the, yeah. the asterisk on the Don Bluth episode is like, also cats, cats don't, don't dance. Because <laughs> I don't know who made that fucking movie. Yeah. but it, Someone it, did. Angels. Angels. <laughs> The angels. True angels. Yeah. Wouldn't it be a kick if he, and this is, I mean, we're, we're film podcasters, so I guess we should know this. We also have Google machines in our pockets, mm. but wouldn't it be a kick if he's the one who made both Cats Don't Dance and All Dogs Go to Heaven? It would be a kick. And also, um, well, he, he has the um, skill because we saw in our last episode, he, he drew many little creatures <laughs> yes. out of um, Xanadu. My, my favorite IMDb trivia of the Xanadu animated sequences, they're like, some of these sequences were later directly lifted for Don Bluth's film Thumbelina. <gasps> and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah that makes sense. That fully out. tracks. <laughs> I was like, this is giving strong Thumbelina vibes. Do you remember that Charo's in Thumbelina? I did not. Oh my God. Charo plays a, a frog, a sexy, big breasted frog. Oh, never changed on Bluth. Never changed on Bluth. <laughs> Hi, everyone. This is the Mixed Reviews. We are a film podcast in which we take a film subject such as an actor, director, or a mini genre, and we give you a history, and then we say, here's our five stars, and here's our one stars. It's both sad and happy. H- happy and sad at the same time. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> much ca- much like the Oscar noms. Oh. We're not talk about. oh my god, guys, we didn't even like, plan this. It was like by accident that we're recording on the day the Oscar nominations come out. Yes. LOL is all I have to say. <laughs> we, uh, we were delayed just a tiny bit because Louis has been jaunting around the globe. I He's have international been. Barbie. I am international Barbie. Um, also started a new job. It's been kind of kooky booky getting used to like this new life, this new schedule. I am Emily in Paris. <laughs> I'm not. I don't it's, watch the show. Isn't that Emily in Paris? Isn't that the whole like it's like a Gavin? Don't ask me things <laughs> that I don't know. About. I, I don't care about. <laughs> I don't know things. I don't do shit. <laughs> Whatever that Vine video is, um, perfection. Um, yes, we this week or this episode we took a little extra time. We just wanted to make sure we had it all right because I was cramming for this yes. episode last minute. Um, but we promised it's going to be a good one. Oh, do we? Oh, yeah, we do. We do. <laughs> <laughs> Gavin's like, what are we doing? talking about? Yeah, I'm wait, sorry. What? what? <laughs> um, before we get into that, though, we have some old business to take care of. Just a teeny tiny bit. We did get a review. And as we say, if you go and leave us a five-star review and write us a little love note, we will read it on the show. This we do one, say that. We, we do, do say that. We do. This one's from Dami217. Highly recommended. Five stars. So grateful for this podcast and the time, care, and research Gavin and Louie put into each and every episode topic. Some personal favorites, Barbara Streisand, Parker Posey, and Ang Lee. Two hearts. Amazing. Lovely. Iconic. Love those episodes so much. Dami, love you, love you, babe. Uh, <laughs> last episode, we talked about the Olivia Newton-John. We had two very special guests uh, hosts with us, Damien and Anne from over on, you might know her from, Iconic Podcast. Absolutely Iconic Podcast. And since we put out that episode, they've just been releasing banger after banger of episodes. So I was just like, you know what? I know. <laughs> I know. I uh, 
the 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 jealousy that I have for podcasters who just do seasons, yeah, and just like have this backlog. <laughs> what a life! So, so which one are you, single white femaleing? Because I think, I think for me, it's Anne. I think I, I think Anne yeah, and I, yeah, yeah, like you and Anne. You're, I'm an Anne um, rising and a Damien son. <laughs> I don't, I don't know tarot. I don't know astrology. I don't know things. Okay, um, but we had such a blast with them. Um, we had really lovely conversations about movies that probably don't get spoken about enough. Yeah, genuinely, go back and listen to that episode, even if you think you don't know anything about Olivia Newton-John or I, she's such a discovery and such a wonder and I had no idea about half the stuff she'd done in her life yeah. and also like especially if you are a student of queer cinema mm-hmm. she has like a run of yes. queer movies because she's clearly such a actual ally. Yeah, I mean, I am so happy that we did her just to watch It's My Party. Like, <laughs> exactly. that, that movie fucking crushed my soul and feels like a part of, at the very least, American queer history that I didn't know about. Yeah. Um, which is very fucked up, A. and But B, I'm glad that we were able to um, discover it together on Le Pod. Um, and and also, if you take away nothing else from the episode, because she's such a strong pop proponent now, mm-hmm. you know she's holding. Yeah, she's hold, always always holding. If you see the girly out, you ask, okay, <laughs> and you shall receive. Um, we ask you guys to go online to vote for your favorite uh, ONJ filme. Um, and listen, it was a two horse race. Yeah, genuinely, I don't know if we've ever had a poll quite like this one. And I, I saw you were uh, out there. It, it wasn't me this time. It was Chels. It was our former guest from our Audrey Hepburn episode, Chels. She was like, push in. She was like, come on, Xanadu. Come on, Xanadu. Let's get sickening. And then she death dropped. It was crazy. Yeah, and she didn't win. So I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, Xanadu came in at 38%. And then Greece, of course, pulled out the win at 62%. I will say, watching Greece again for... Uh, in earnest for the first time in a long time, I, there was a lot there that I had missed as yeah. a youth. I, I think it's easy to remember that movie and be like, oh, it's about people changing each other. For, it's there's, there's so much more there. Yeah. Um, we paint it with such a broad um, um, brushstroke, but there are nuances there and it's really great. I realized I also didn't even bring up, I was like, oh, Olivia's songs are great. There is one really amazing song in the original Yes. Which is Rizzo's There Are Worse Things I Can Do, which mm-hmm. I think everybody that likes mm-hmm. Grease knows that, but I just want people to know that I also know that, and Stocker Channing's amazing in that role. And Vanessa Hudgens but, is amazing yeah. in that role. <laughs> I do think that I'm finally coming out of my childhood of trauma yes. uh, with Grease, that I'm finally able to uh, appreciate it mm-hmm. more. But, mm-hmm. you know, once again, Grease 2 stand for life. Of course. And I can't, I was about to make a joke about a gritty reboot, but that's actually happened. Yeah, There's yeah. like a pink lady rise of the pink ladies on paramount plus well they need the content for all tens of the subscribers Mm -hmm. all the drag race fans (laughs) who are locked in and and me who has it because of star trek (laughs) yeah all the star trek gays all the drag race gays all the good fight gays the real intersection right there yeah yeah. real quick before we get out of the old business section i did want to just bring up the fact that (gasps) one of our previous guests i just gasped (laughs) trano and tour is currently, if you are in Canada, on Big Brother Celebrities, which is the Quebecois 
Big Brother, celebrity Big Brother. <laughs> I wish um, you could see my face reacting to Gavin right now. <laughs> listen, I've learned French solely from Anna Gasteyer's impersonation of Celine Dion oh, on SNL. I love that. That's a great reference point. Yeah. And uh, I'm wishing her all the best. And I hope she's doing amazing. Well, because we've been, you know, we've had, we only do our bi-weekly episodes. I think she's been in the house for like three weeks now. It feels like she's been in the house 10,000 years. But, <laughs> you know, wishing her well. And honestly, if you're in Canada, please watch it for me and DM me. Because once again, I am not a francophone uh-huh. and I need somebody to translate yeah, for me. Someone tell us how Trent is doing. We don't know. We do not know. But uh, we're wishing her the best and we hope that she wins. Yes. Whatever amount of money. I have no idea what I, amount of money. I don't even know like yeah. what. Do they, loonies? Toonies? Yeah. Like, I'm not sure exactly <laughs> the voting system. A, a cash prize of 1,000 doonies. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, but get the gigs, get the money, honey. Absolutely. We love you, Trana. Um, okay, now we can move forward with our latest subject. Yes. Um, we chose the subject because we thought it might be an easier subject. <sighs> um, boy, and it never is. And boy, were we wrong. <laughs> Uh, Gavin, who are we talking about today? We're talking about the young, stylish, beautiful, and talented mm-hmm. Kira Knightley. The very talented Kira Knightley. Um, yeah, we really thought we were going to give ourselves an easy task with Kira, but the truth is, the girly is a workhorse. Yes. Um, and the it's interesting, but also sad. Um, reason and learning about why she was such a workhorse and how she basically was just trying to work as often and as much as possible to get away from paparazzi and awful human beings um, is very fucked up. Um, I think she's a perfect example of, you know, our post 9-11 young actress Hollywood A-lister who is, you know, just fucking destroyed by the paparazzi um, she's super, you know, uh, decorated, all the awards nominated, but also maybe one of the most derided actresses yes. we've covered. Literally has had directors she has worked with talk shit about her. I mean, that's not, that's right. not right. <laughs> right. I mean, and, and direct, like, so yeah, like there's the public, there's the media, and then but then the people that she's worked with, it's like so fucking crazy, and also especially because she started working when she was so young. Yeah, um, agent by six years old. Yeah, it's and and so her, it feels like her life has just been, um, you know, acting like twenty plus years of acting, and she's. You, like what, 35, 36? Yeah, she, you know, you could n- not mention she's younger than me. The, you could, she, yeah, you could, <laughs> we could skip that part and I'd be fine with it. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, doing this, going in, I was like, okay, it's gonna be so easy breezy. Like, I've seen Love Actually 12,000 times. <laughs> not a big deal. Oh my gosh, she's in Love Actually. She's in Love Actually. Oh, wow. Yeah, I it's crazy. I should have known that. Yeah, her in that hat. Uh, uh, <laughs> which is so weird because I've always thought to me, she is perfect. Mm. I don't know if that was from something. Right. No, 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 no. That's all you, babe. (laughs) Um, But there are so many weird choices in her career she's made. There are so many movies that I had never seen. And I'm going to be honest, babe. There's a lot of movies that I still have not seen because there were so many. If it makes you feel better, there's a lot of movies I saw and was like, fire your agent. (laughs) Fire them. Uh, It's interesting, too, because... 
her she I feel like her there's a lot of stumbling for me there. I feel like her star's in a really weird place because you know there's the ascendancy and then there's the descent and and obviously she's not necessarily certainly not a person that you would go to and be like, okay, well she's at the age where she's solely doing moms. Right, she's right. a mom now. Like right. because that's the curse of being a woman in Hollywood is eventually you go from like sex symbol to mom overnight. And she's not there, even though she is playing moms now. And she, I've, I've watched movies where, but she's in an odd place where, like, I want to say in the last five, six years, half of her movies are, like, super awards bait, like, high, yep. like, period piece, costumes. And then the other half are direct-to-video in the U.S., <laughs> which I know there's not really a direct-to-video market. Now it's, like, to a streaming, streaming service. Yeah. But, like... What an odd place for her to be in her career. She's, because she was a, a box office, just money-making machine for right. a long time. She's, like, kind of in the Anne Hathaway realm yes. of actressing right now. Yeah. Um, she's Hathawaying about. She's Hathawaying about. Beyond that, I don't know if there's that many similarities. I think also what's interesting about Kira oh, is yeah. she's very open about how she was, like... I was not naturally very good at this. Yeah. And I've had to like hone my craft and yeah. like learn. Um, but she had a very untraditional like path to stardom. Um, yeah, she's super interesting. I did not give her enough credit going in. I thought I was going to be able to just like kind of breeze on through. And that's also kind of why like, I was like, no, wait, we need more time because <laughs> this is more complicated and than I, I thought. Don't, and I don't blame you. I don't, you know, and, and honestly, the extra time has helped me out. As I was telling you beforehand, my opinion sort of vacillated, not not about her talent, but like where things are. And, yeah, she's and shifting. shifting. Yeah, she's shifting. You're a little shifty creature. Yeah, exactly. I feel the earth move under my feet. And stumbling down, <laughs> stumbling down. That's a Will and Grace joke. <laughs> Very topical. They, yeah, you. very topical. <laughs> Welcome back. A to, millennial gay. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to 2006, uh-huh, everybody. Uh-huh. Uh, so why don't we get into our rewind and learn a little more about Miss Kira Knightley? Kira Christina Knightley. Uh, she was born March 26, 1985. Like I mentioned, she is 36 years old. That noise you're hearing? It's me flipping a desk. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Um, she was born in the suburbs of London, um, and she had actor parents, you know, yeah. um, they were stage actors and she tells this really great story of how she asked for an agent at three and had one by six. <laughs> um, I don't think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think I read that her parents weren't like really wanting her to do this, but yeah. they were like... She was aggressively, you know, like, this is, this yeah, is it. Was, it. it was her decision. It was certainly wasn't uh, being pushed by them. But I'm sure she also, seeing them doing what they love to do, because this is the thing, is, like, her father working actor, her mother, part-time playwright as yep. well. And I think that's maybe, you know, she sees these theatrical people who are following their bliss... It right. probably seemed very attractive to her, regardless of the the negatives of that, which is the fact that they were not well off. Right. They, her, she has a brother, and essentially... Oh, this is a great story. Yeah, essentially story. Her, her father was like, we can't have another kid until you sell a play to his wife. And she was like, god damn it. Yeah. <laughs> 
But she fucking sold that script. She did. Kira is also very open and has talked a lot about how she was diagnosed with dyslexia. Yes. At a very young age. She'll say like, she's like, no, no, I didn't have dyslexia. I have dyslexia. Like, you just have it. Yeah, you don't get over it. And right. she like falls in line with many of the other subjects we've had that we've mentioned before that are dyslexic. Keanu Reeves, Cher. Mm-hmm. You know, this this is proof that you can live with this, you know, disorder that yeah. doesn't make learning easy for you. She says to this day, she still yeah. has problems reading out loud. Yeah, she has problems reading out loud and she like color codes all of her scripts and yeah. like she... She has learned how to cope, essentially. Yeah. I do love the story that she tells about going to preschool and knowing the books. School when I was about five was amazing because I was absolutely top of every class. Well, top of my class. And I was reading in front of people and I thought of myself as being unbelievably intelligent. Um, And then when I was six, they realized that I hadn't been reading at all and that my mum read to me all the time. We had lots of books at home and I'd memorized them. And it was only when somebody finally gave me a book that my mum hadn't read me that they realized that I hadn't been reading at all and couldn't read at all. So when I was six, I went from being the top of the class to the absolute bottom of the class. And I still remember what a shock that was. Um, And I still remember how I saw myself completely differently from that moment. My sister did the exact same thing. She's not dyslexic, but when she She's was, a liar. Yeah, when she was <laughs> at preschool, the teacher was like, oh, I'm going to read this book. And my sister knew it by heart and thought that the, she was reading. <laughs> I she, have found a genius. Yeah, exactly. No. 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 Good one, Nicole. <laughs> um, so she's at age of six, gets an agent and immediately is getting roles in like TV shows, commercials, um, and is a working actress at the age of six. Um, She never goes to acting school for any part of her career, ever. Like she she will never take a break to go to Strasbourg, nothing. The funny thing is too, is like she goes to college, uh, which is probably skipping ahead a little bit because there are a couple things she does before. But she goes to college. Star Wars here and there. Yeah. (laughs) And at college she uh studies art history and english once again not no, acting no and then she's like no i'm gonna be an actor I'm I'm fine. Yeah. yeah i'm good so you know she's in shows i think that when she talks about like the first time she realized like i'm actually acting or like i can actually do this is um a show she does called coming home when i was 12 and it was in a TV thing called Coming Home, which was with Peter O'Toole. And it was doing a scene with him sitting around a, a, a dinner table and just watching him and going, wow, that's how you do it. <laughs> and that kind of twinkly blue eyed. And the fact that he forgot me every single day, every single day that we go on, he'd forget who I was. But by the end of the day, it'd say, nice one, beauty. <laughs> <laughs> and it would go on like that all the time. And it's around this time that she goes up for a part at Star in Star Wars, Phantom Menace. Um, she doesn't know what it is. And when she finally got it, her parents said, don't do it. Cause like, they're not telling you what the fuck's going on. Um, she didn't even know if she was actually going to be in it because she was standing in for Natalie Portman. Yes. A lot. If you don't know, the role is of like Queen Padma's like, I don't know, fucking body double. Yeah. She, like, yeah. Uh, she will be assassinated. Not yeah. I. Yeah. She's the decoy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to which Graham Norton. So tactfully put like well basically it's a wonder she made it since we already have a natalie portman so you do look incredible like natalie portman you would think that would be the end 
of your career in the you know what I mean in that we've got one of those already yeah, done. Yeah. I guess I grew about two feet taller is that what, is that what <laughs> just a stretched version Natalie Portman famously dubbed the lines over yes so the voice could be the same but there are scenes of her in Star Wars and it's like I genuinely remember being in the theater and when they like revealed that it wasn't yeah. Natalie Portman I was like are we sure? Like, what's yeah, happening? What? Like, yeah. like I was like, something is off, but... <laughs> there was stories about how, like, both of their moms couldn't, like, tell them apart on set. Like, it's fucking crazy. They look a lot alike. I mean, they're tiny little white girls, whatever. In 2001, her first major role is Princess of Thieves. Yes! Um, I, it's a Disney movie. It's basically Robin Hood has a daughter meets Mulan. This movie, I thought was like, oh, this is where Emma Watson <laughs> got her idea for Harry Potter because it is the same, like, little British girl yelling acting. <laughs> um, and I think, like, this is... like if It is uncanny when she does say, no, it's Wingardium Ariosa. Yeah, 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 That's yeah, the, yeah. yeah. Um, I will say, she's bad. Like, she's not good. <laughs> she's... I, I'll give her, I'll give her this. I'm not disagreeing with you at all, but she's paired up against Stephen Moyer, of yes, of True Blood, yeah, True Blood fame. So okay, <laughs> so like, oh, the, you don't think he's a good actor? Yeah. So like the level. I'm sorry, Anna Paquin. I know he's your husband, <laughs> but like the lead, like bye, Con. Hello, <laughs> you're turning your back. <laughs> How quickly we forget. It's now you let me steal your horse. I give it to you freely, madam. A woman should not have to walk. Has not a woman legs? Do we not walk and run just as you do? There are dangers for a woman in the forest. Oh, but no dangers for you. I'm bigger and stronger. But not faster or more cunning? Definitely faster. Oh, so you'd agree I'm more cunning. We can go through a million things, but like really, so this is not forever long, we're going to get to like the real breakthrough, unless you have something to... I do I do just want to talk about one okay. thing really quick. She does this thriller called The Hole, which was essentially a vehicle for Thora Birch post-American uh, Beauty. And it goes to direct-to-video in the US. Yes. But she's... 15 years old when she does this movie and there's a scene where she exposes her breast i'm not a prude obviously she had permission to do this and whatnot but like what like i it's an it's an odd thing and listen she has talked many times in fact we'll get to this but she's talked many times about when she was young she did not care about showing off her boobs and she's actually even said it's because they're not large mm -hmm. so who cares right but i still I don't think it's appropriate for a 15-year-old to be showing their breasts in a movie and for it to not be a thing. Right. The, 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 there was Correct. no warning, and I was just like, I am looking at, like, mm -hmm. underage. Yes. Yeah. Um, also, I this, I think, speaks... In my brain, the larger point of this is, like, she was being cast as older, yes. mature women when she was a teenager for at least 10 years. Yeah. Um, we forget she was 17 in love actually yes like what yeah that's kind of fucking crazy uh, i mean like e even even in performances i like like the duchess where in real life the age discrepancy between her and the woman she's playing and her husband was something like eight to ten years and then in the movie it was like 30 something because it's ray fine right you right. know it's it the 
you know, we complain about this a lot on this show, but there is definitely a it's double crazy. standard. It's crazy. Yeah, when it comes to casting younger women with older men, and we just sort of accept it. it. Yeah, and she, and this, she's a very good example because, and she might be like, not she is not the, but like for, I will say like the certainly the millennial generation, like she is the urtext of this happening because she was. B- by everyone the media paparazzi whatever saying she was the most beautiful person and yet somehow the ugliest bitch yes the worst actress yes um but how you know i think she says like she has a really great quote she says i couldn't be thinner and fatter at the same time (laughs) and yet people wanted both yeah you know she she was getting all these modeling contracts and gigs but was getting so much hate and scrutiny. Like, she could not do the right thing. And, um, and she has said that they're invariably... She's not somebody who seeks out reviews. It'll be completely random. It'll be like I'm in a hairdresser's and there'll be a paper from like three months ago that I'll mm-hmm. suddenly be flicking through and it will be the worst review yeah. for anything where they absolutely hate me. So I've only ever seen bad ones. I've never actually... Uh, I'm hoping that there are well, good ones out there somewhere. So I was zooming towards Bennett Like Beckham. Yes. Um, which, you know, is what breaks her as a star. Um, Bennett Like Beckham is... Uh, was like this kind of uh, British indie film yeah. about uh, women's soccer. And it was kind of feeding off of the zeitgeist of, obviously, um, David Beckham, but also Mia Hamm and, like, the um, emergence of this, like, burgeoning U.S. women's soccer culture. Uh, it's, I think, and that's a that's the perfect example, because in that movie, she's, like, tomboy... Um, the movie is very aggressive, yeah. bisexual vibes. Uh, yeah, I almost wish they leaned into it more, but I understand time, thinking <laughs> yeah. about the time. Yes, you know? but also like she's, ve- her body is so thin. They put her in like that very slinky shirt when they're at the club. Who is that fucking guy? Jonathan Reese Myers? Jonathan Reese Myers, yeah. Beautiful. I feel like he's always like a vampire, right? Yeah, I mean, he's always a vampire, even when he's not a vampire. <laughs> right. Correct. Correct. Sorry, Stephen Moyer. Once again. <laughs> yeah. He is the vampire on this yeah. show. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I think the movie is very charming. Yeah. Um, super cute. And and I really like, you know, one of the things that we talked about on this show is that um, specificity usually makes for a better thing because... You, a better film because you're inviting your audience in and allowing them to come bring their own stuff, but also learn something and it doesn't have to be pandered to. It's not right. every, and I think Gurinda Chada who directed it, like was making a very personal story. Yes. Oh, She's yeah. an Indian woman herself and, and just really connecting into that specific story. Um, but also, you have Kira's story right along there and everybody thinks she's gay. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, really great movie. I think is it's like on HBO. You can, oh, yeah, yeah. You can watch it right now. Um, so that movie, though, gets her both the Pirates um, franchise. All 70 of them. All 7,000 of them. And Love Actually. Um, and I don't think she would disagree with me when I say that it is because of her body. Yeah. Um, she has openly said that she got Love Actually because of her stomach. The director said, we saw your stomach. In, in Bend It Like Beckham. Oh, my God. And the wedding dress is very kind of, like, revealing for yeah. the time. Um, and oh, let me tell you, I did not revisit Love Actually. Oh, you did I, I don't find too many occasions to do that. Mm, not, so. not every year on the holidays? No, no, no. <laughs> I feel like you fall into one camp. Like, it's either you are a family stone in uh, Love Actually or you're not. Yeah. 
Yeah. And bitch, I'm I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> I know I know you are. <laughs> um okay, but first she does Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. This is the movie I think that gives her the Hollywood capital to do basically anything she wants yes. ever again. This is the movie that made a billion dollars out of nowhere. And she says the making the first one was so lovely that no one had any expectations. It was a fucking theme yeah. park ride. She and she was saying exactly, and it was a fucking theme park ride. And she was saying the the other nice thing was when she received the role, she wasn't really in a position to be like, hey, let's make some changes. And the script was very damsel in distress. You know, Elizabeth Swan was like. I get captured. They come here. They save me. Well, I think when I first read uh, one of the, one of the original drafts of the script, Pirates of the Caribbean, um, Elizabeth Swan, my character, really didn't do a lot. She was a bit of a classical kind of damsel in distress. Sat in a corner, pouted a bit, screamed a lot. Um, didn't really get involved in the action. And uh, Gore Verbinski, the director, and the two writers thought it would be a great idea if if she kind of started to kick back. So it, it evolved sort of as we went along. And so she was forward thinking enough to ask for some attention, some yeah. rights as, as you know, the, a woman in this film to be like, hey, let's, yeah. let's not treat me as wallpaper. Right. And now she's, she like kind of kicks butt in the movie, yeah. you know? Um, so she's, she's in, she does that first one. It's a surprise hit. Yeah. It earns $654 million in worldwide revenue yep. off of a $135 million budget. So it's not like it was a cheap movie. It's not like it was right. It was still a Jerry Buckheimer. Yeah. Disney production. Um, but you know, and this is like really, it's funny because she kind of just blows up. I don't want to say out of nowhere because she had been working for so long, but Bennett like Beckham was like 2002 and same like, Within the next two or three years, she's just kind of like the it girl. Um, and also, if you remember, like, if you can take yourself back, like, the Paris Hilton emergence era of paparazzi yeah. and, and how... Um, and also, paparazzi's also always been much worse in England. Oh, than my God. Over here. Yes. Like, tabloid culture is super gross over here and did have its big yes. heyday yes. around that time. But also, like... The British media, the British tabloid culture is far, far more aggressive yeah. um, than the U.S. Um, tabloid culture. Um, but okay, so she does uh, Richard Curtis's Love Actually. That was his first movie he's done. And there was a lot of like excitement about it. And it kind of like flops. Um, it, it took years, I would say almost like a decade for it to find its audience. And she says now that Love Actually actually is everywhere no uh is more, <laughs> i hate you <laughs> it's more popular in the u.s than it is in the uk now yes but like she becomes a household name you know she she does the rom-com and then she does the action she's got she's got both everyone's like put her everywhere uh she does king arthur which is kind of like yeah it's it's like this is the true story of King Arthur. We're not going to tell you where we got that information <laughs> from. But it's like King Arthur if King Arthur were a Roman soldier. And, and it's I, also yeah. like very like sexy leather. We got a message from Almost Major Podcast. Being a little critical that we were critical of New Metal. But I just feel like this movie specifically <laughs> is that same vibe. I mean, I... I, I wrote like a little letterbox review and it's a bad movie two points that like were really fascinating to me which was the movie couldn't have too many women in it so you have the character of tristan played by mads mickelson 
And instead of adding an Isolde to the movie, like, like Tristan and Isolde, they gave him a hawk. Oh. And right before the big battle, he sets the hawk free. Wow. Because he's in love with her. Wow. And I was just like, really? A fucking hawk? And then, also the big battle at the end, everybody gets an armor upgrade like it's a fucking video game. Uh-huh. Everybody has shiny new armor. And Kira's armor is blue body paint and a breast binder. Oh, wow. Yeah, because she's a picked. She's a, like celtic warrior of the you know she's like besties with merlin and whatnot and i will say she has said that she loves doing action movies because she loves doing stunts yeah she finds it really thrilling and she just likes doing action so it's it's again she's proving herself to be a viable action star and a viable romantic lead yeah which is the four quadrants, huh? And that's all you need. <laughs> it's like, are you hot? Can you do action? Are you pretty? The next thing she does is she kind of like, it's like, now I'm going to be like a little fucking weird. Yeah. Um, which is the fourth quadrant. Um, and she does the jacket with Adrian Brody. Yeah. And she's like, and this time I'm American. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I had never heard of this movie in my life. Um... It's weird. I didn't feel like revisiting it, and I saw it the last time when I was in college, so I don't really remember it too much, I'll be perfectly honest. Um, so I know it's like time travel-y or it's something. It's time travel-y. I don't know if the movie's great. It's like interesting, I guess. I think it's a little fucked up that like he like meets her as a child and then is like, let me just go to the future so I can be with her. I'm like, okay, whatever this Twilight shit is, I don't like it. <laughs> I, I do want to ask, how do you feel about her American accent? Oh, here it goes. Um, Jack Starks died from a wound to the head January 1st, 1993. How? I mean, how, how do I die? He didn't say. Does that mean you believe me? I don't know what I believe. You know, I she, she knows what her strengths are, I think. Yeah. And I just don't think her American uh, is it. And yeah. It's not the worst I've heard. It's not the but worst. But... But the thing is, and we haven't we haven't even brought up through all this. She's flirted with her strengths yeah. in pirates, but she hasn't even found it yet, you know. And uh, the elephant in this room is a period drama, honey. Yeah. Um, she's like, you know what? I'd love to do a corset without a sword, mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. a corset. But the thing is, you know, at the time. And and that kind of like rolls in with what's next. She does Domino, which she said she loved doing action. That movie's so fucking stupid. Yeah. Um. And and it is maybe the worst looking movie I have seen <laughs> for this show. Um. It looks like a Burger King commercial. Um, <laughs> and- I rarely I rarely do the the Louis like. <laughs> but that was that was yeah it, it, and and again like it is that like ma- toxic masculine vibe yes was it's so aggressive so toxic but it's not even like the script is toxic but like the look of yeah. it is axe body spray yeah. you know i want your bod type shit it's really unfortunate too because we've talked about tony scott before we talked about him in our chris pine episode because he did unstoppable and i think when you look at something like unstoppable and you see how well he can craft that sort of like mm-hmm. manic, you know, very cutty style. But someone told him on Unstoppable, like, let's lighten the, the load yeah, on exactly. the filters. Let's take it down a notch. Because I do think Domino is... Like, it's all filters. It's, yeah, it's too much to that extent. I, I've also, seen that on Reels. <laughs> also, I... Uh, oh, man, you've probably seen mine. But um, <laughs> they, 
I do think that, I mean, I had avoided this movie for a long time because of like moral reasons, because I know Domino Harvey, the real Domino Harvey was very opposed to the film because she was an out and proud lesbian mm. and the movie had her sexualizes her, gives yes. her a love story with Edgar Ramirez, which by the way, so is hot. Edgar Ramirez. So fucking yeah, hot. I, I know. But also like, I'm not even going to get into the problematicness of right. his like latino in that yeah. fucking movie. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but so and then she had died she died very suddenly of a drug overdose and so i was like oh boy this is bad bad like moral grounds but i finally watched it for this and i was like you know what i was right i was like i was like i was like i should have just stuck to my guns and it wasn't even worth it for for uh karen knightley's performance which is unfortunate but also like i i mean and i don't know what your five star one star review is but i can't in good conscience, give this a one-star review because I don't think there's enough performance there because it's so edited. Yeah, it's it's Roof's Doof. Um, but luckily, in that same year, so we we're like in 2005, um, same year, and again, she's working so fucking much, um, she does Pride and Prejudice. Yes. And she talks, she has talked extensively about this just because it is probably one of the most well-known movies that she's ever done, most well-received um, I think people aggressively love it also because it was her being like, no, fuck you all. Yeah. I can do this. I'm actually fucking good. You guys are idiots. Um, and she's talked about how, like, at first she didn't want to do it. She didn't want to do it. She loved the book. She was like, I'm not going to do it justice. Yeah. Elizabeth Bennett, beyond my means. Yeah. Like, yeah. not going to do it. The, her agent says, no, no, do it. Sets up a meeting with Joe Wright. Joe Wright, like, flies to Canada where she's shooting the jacket. It was suddenly 10 o'clock in the evening, and I had to get up at 4.30 in the morning, and I was shooting the next day, and he was really angry. And I was kind of like, oh, this guy really hates me, and what am I doing here anyway? It it was an awful meeting. Um, And for some reason, everybody persuaded us to meet again in London, sort of two weeks later. And we met in in in, in a hotel bar, and suddenly just clicked. And uh, and instantly I started telling him to fuck off and he started telling me to fuck off. And that's been our relationship ever since. He wanted someone else. He wanted yeah. an unknown. He did not want Elizabeth thought, Swan yeah. to be his... And he thought she was too beautiful. He thought she was like a model. And she's her very famous thing is that when he met her, he was like... Pull no. up your fucking pants. Well, but yeah, but it was like... Oh no, you're not too beautiful. <laughs> like, oh, you're just a human girl. <laughs> not to not to shit on Joe Wright because she's had other altercations with other directors over the years that have not been good. She credits Joe Wright with really like starting her career as an actor because he, she said he's the one that has basically been like, you have this, you can do this, right? But you have to work really fucking hard to prove it to everybody else that you can do it, right? And she said she was really prepared for the role. Um, but that, that also, you know, um, oh, what I was going to say is that the producers essentially were like, we will give you more money if you get Keira Knightley. Yeah. And they're, and he was like, no. And they were like, yes. <laughs> and so he finally, you know, cast Akira and guess what, bitch? She fucking nailed it. It, that movie is, I watched it again and I was just like smiling the entire time. You know what? Same. So happy. Do I have reservations? Do I hate the fact that they're like in their jammies at the end of the movie while watching Fire? I was like, okay, it's a bit much. But I did read actually a really good breakdown by like an English PhD about how smart it was that Joe Wright was clearly bucking the sort of merchant and ivoriness of all of it and really 
bringing in a new audience into the Jane Austen portion of of literature and being like, if this is the way that we can get young people to understand these stories, read them, find out more about them, then, you know, it works really well. That movie's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. That movie, And it's very much a young filmmaker's film. There's stuff that he does in that movie that I had forgotten that's so strange and out there. I mean, that shot when she's in Darcy's house and she's peering around and she sees, you know, the little girl playing the piano and then Darcy sees her and the way the camera, like, whips up to her face and she bolts out. It's be- it's beautiful filmmaking. Yeah. Gorgina. Um, she gets nominated for everything. She's becomes the third youngest um, best actress nominee. She's yeah. 20 years old. I was going to say at the age of 20, right? Yep. Um, but God, you know, could you just work a little harder? Yeah. <laughs> she has talked about at this time though, she is, her mental health is starting to deteriorate. Um, and she's talked about how, awful it was and paparazzi yelling awful things at her um and so like i said earlier she just is like i'm going to fucking keep working and try and like stay focused um she makes two more pride to the caribbean movies um they make tons of fucking money yeah but specifically the reviews about her are just horrible um and i think she's talked about like the pressure for those movies to succeed after the first one was just so crazy. And she was just, you know, too young and did not have, um, I don't know. I mean, does anyone know how to like deal with that shit when you're 20 years old? Like I I don't don't know. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) think of a, think of like just leading you guys on a guided meditation in which I bring you back to high school Mm -hmm. and think about the mean things people used to say to you in high school. Now imagine those mean things are printed in national papers. That's just too hard for me because no one said anything bad about me. I mean, that's correct. I I was a cool band kid. Um, (laughs) So she, she does, you know, the, the, the pirates of it all. Um, a movie that I did not know existed until today. didn't watch it, but I was like, oh, huh, what, what is 2007 Silk? <laughs> it's not worth it. But she reteams that same year with Joe Wright again for Atonement. Um, I heard her interview saying, that, like, you know, she had a blast making Atonement. Everyone was super fun. Yeah. She immediately was like, oh, Saoirse Ronan is a fucking genius. Yeah. Like, child prodigy. Um, she, she literally said, she's like, some people are born fully with the craft. She's like, I was not that person. (laughs) Saoirse at 11, 12 years old, fucking incredible. Um, but she also has, she's, she has a really, um, awful story of how she gets nominated for a BAFTA for atonement. Um, and she has to go to hypnotherapy to get through the red carpet and even go to the award show because she just does not want to be subjected to the flashing cameras and everyone. And that when she did not get the Oscar nomination, she was like, everyone on my team knew like that was the happiest day of my life because (laughs) I so desperately did not want to go to the Oscars and I did not want to do this anymore. Um, And it doesn't look like it just from looking at her IMDb, but she takes a break after atonement. Yeah. I'm super lucky. I mean, I, you know, uh, I had the money to be able to get help 
which is huge. Um, and I also had a career where I could step away and I could step back to, and I'd already earned enough money that I didn't have to work for that year. I didn't know it was just going to be a year, maybe it would have been longer, but it happened to be just over a year, I think. So it was a time of extreme paparazzi, so there was never a day when I wasn't being followed by 20 guys, you know, which was a kind of 24-7 um, stalking, really. And okay, they were being paid for it, um, but actually, you know, I've, I've been, I've had various stalking uh, situations and I've had various paparazzi situations and it feels the same, regardless of, you know, what the intention is behind it. Um, and, you know, so yeah, by the time I got to 22, I think the pressure of all of those things and um, was just, it just got to too much. An atonement just is stunning, incredible, yeah. is that girl. The thing about Joe Wright is like, his movies are so unnatural. Yeah, He is very much wanting to fuck with the form of movies. And so this movie ostensibly is about a young girl who sees something that she doesn't understand. Yes. And the consequences of that. Um, not to spoil this 2007 movie, and I won't, but like, it's, it is so clever, um, but also very just like, haunting yeah um i think she's been in a lot of movies because she loves period dramas that are about the horrors of war i think this movie is also about that this movie also ha 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 is about atonement and how yeah. to make up for you know um wrongs um another gorgeous gorgeous fucking movie absolutely and it's joe wright functioning at his highest david lean like he's like channeling david lean when she's like sidebar and i know this is not a joe wright episode but David Lean's widow saw this movie and was like, ugh, terrible. Like, like she's like, nothing has been good since David has been gone. And it's <laughs> like, okay, d don't say that to this man who's like, I adore your husband. Yeah, like, like relax. Yeah. Um, the movie is just gorgeous. I think James McAvoy has always been very hot. Yeah. He's never been hotter in and, this movie. And on top of all of that, like, Kira's performance is amazing, so I don't want to take anything away from it. But the green dress. The green dress. Everybody's talking about the green dress. And you know what? I think there have been movies that we'll get to where they try to recreate the green dress moment. Yeah. Um, in different colors. Um, <laughs> it's good because I can't see most of them. But but this <laughs> green dress that she says was so fragile that they had to, like, between takes, keep fixing it because it would just tear off so easily. Um, what a hot movie. But, like, it's hot but, like, horrible. It, it has... <laughs> It was designed purposely with a slit up the middle, as Joe Wright put it, for easy access. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's all we'll say. <laughs> Truly just a gorgeous movie. Um, a complete banger. The old man telephoned last night. He says you're planning on being a doctor. I'm thinking about it, yes. Six years of student life. How else do you become a doctor? You get a fellowship now, couldn't you? I don't want to teach. You're first. I said I'd pay your father back. That's not what I meant at all. She, she gets nominated for a BAFTA, but does she missed on, on the Academy Award, but she's like, LOL, love that. Um, the, the green dress is regarded as one of the greatest costumes in film history. Take that. They're not wrong. Um, so she is, like, takes a little break. She has a mental health cool down, gets the help she needs. Um, and then she does a little bit of, like, stage work. She says, the theatra. <laughs> um, I'm going to and and she talks about how that's where she realized she has stage fright um, a lot of her anxieties about in the work that she'd done was she didn't realize oh, she, oh this is fucking stage fright that's what I have and that's when she realizes oh I can 
just really fucking prepare. Yeah. Just really, and and now she talks about going on set with binders of yeah. like notes and all that stuff. Also, part of that goes back to her dyslexia. Mm-hmm. She says, I cannot perform if you give me changes to a script and expect me to perform that day. You know, it takes me a while. I really need to learn it. I need to sit with it. I always have to say you cannot give me a rewritten scene on the day and think that I'm going to be able to perform it well. If you give me a, re- a rewritten scene the day before and I have a night to work on it, I will be able to do it well. In 2008, she does The Duchess, <laughs> um, which is, I think, her first uh, film with... Um, Ray Fiennes. Ray Fiennes, who's so hot in this movie. Yeah, it's so it's, it's so upsetting because he's so bad. Like, he's a bad man. Can, can, I, can I just say, cast of hot people. <laughs> It's a cast of hot people. Yeah, I I had not seen The Duchess before, and I was just I was very taken by it. I think I I think, and she talks about like God, just like being on set with him and being like, wow, <laughs> Ray Fiennes really like fucking knows what he's doing, huh? And like I don't I don't want to be that guy who's like, ugh, her period pieces, but she really does shine in them. And I think The Duchess is a really great movie. It really, you know, beautiful, gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I think she's really fantastic. I love Hilia Atwell's performance in the movie as well. And yeah, I just, it's so sumptuous to look at. And once again, it's not a movie, even though it is a period film, it doesn't feel stuffy in the nope. way that a lot of period, it feels very of the time and very, you know, these were real living, breathing people. They have flaws just like you or I, it doesn't matter that they're wearing, you know, like 17 layers of makeup <laughs> and 40 layers of clothing. That's me right now. What are you talking about? <laughs> I didn't want to bring it up. Hello. Um, yeah, she. Uh, there's something about her in her period drama, specifically playing a woman who is going to do it different, <laughs> who is going to say, nah, not me. Like, there is a something about it. She has this rebellious, right. like... Well, because there's something just in general for all of the for all the period work she does. There's something very modern mm-hmm, about her. Mm-hmm. There just is. I think, and it, and it doesn't play against her no. when she does period work. But what it does is it allows her to. I don't know why I'm miming weird thing. It allows her to slide in there mm. ever so and sort of build herself out in a way that other people get sort of swallowed by all. Right, that right. Stuff. She. Bitch, the dress will never wear her. Right. Okay. Absolutely not. She has this androgyny of her. You I know? agree. She's uh, just... Because her face is so fucking perfect. But, like, also, she has a very masculine face. Yeah. You know, strong bone structure. Um, and so she just is able to cut through all and project through all of the... Everything around her. I will say, we haven't talked about it yet, but a lot of people, when they do impressions of her... She leads with the chin. Yes. She is a, a, a chin actress. Um, oh, and we'll get there. There is a film in which she actually just fully is oh, a chin actress. Uh, oh, yes. Um, she does her West End debut, The Misanthrope, um, in 2008. Oh, she was nominated for an Olivier Award. Wow. Good for her. <laughs> After The Duchess, she, this is where we start seeing her like kind of going off the rails a little bit. Yeah. This is her diversification because she's like, listen, I can't be period piece fish all the time yes like i yes. gotta she's trying yeah she does london boulevard something i did not watch yeah that was once one of the direct video movies uh in the u.s um not great which sucks because once again it's you know it, it is her and 
Colin Farrell. But also, it's funny. I don't want to belabor the point too much, but they give her this monologue in it because it's like a very loose remake of Sunset Boulevard where she gives this speech about how like women are so underwritten in movies. Do you know what a woman's for in film? The one that... What this job is that I'm supposed to want. I'm listening. A woman is there to get the hero to talk about himself, about his hopes, about his fears, maybe even about his fascinating fucking childhood. <laughs> but I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> Either you're getting your kit off, opening up the trousers or brains of an idiot in a piece of shit, or you're shooting MOS in Genoa with some geriatric Italian pervert who really artistically needs the hero to stick his thumb up your arsehole in the 17th century. <laughs> right. But she's an incredibly underwritten character in this film. You're like, so, yeah. So it's like, <laughs> correct. Don't, don't draw attention to the flaw. <laughs> she then does Never Let Me Go, which was kind of like an Oscar Beatty thing. Funny, she has said she didn't want this role. <gasps> she did it. Because her friend Carrie Car- Mulligan. Her good friend Carrie Mulligan, who she met from um, Pride and Prejudice. Pride and Prejudice. Carrie Mulligan was like, would you please do this? And she's never disparaged it. I think she had an all right time making it. But I did find a bit of an interview, a written interview, so I can't put an audio clip in. But a written interview where the, the reporter was like, how do you relate to this character? And she literally was like, I do not relate to this character at she's all. She's like, never could be me. Um <laughs> I, it's based on a novel. I yes. think like the, it's a very famous novel. Very famous novel. Um, it's one of those movies I think that has high aspirations and doesn't quite meet them. I'm with you. I'm same page with you. I saw it in the theater and being I remember being like, I bet you the book is great. Oh yeah, it's, it's <laughs> one of those. Um, Andrew Garfield's in it. My 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 boyfriend. Yeah, your boyfriend. She was in. I just have to mention, in 2011, she was in a revival of the Children's Hour, which, yeah. Imagine. I mean, pe- Imagine. people have spent in reviews, spent years comparing her to Audrey Hepburn. Mm-hmm. And so it just feels like one of those full circle Natural. things. Natural. And, and I would have loved, I would have killed. Yeah. I would have killed prominent figures <laughs> to <laughs> see her in the children's hour. In 2011, she does, and this is, this is the chin moment. Yes. Um, dan- a Dangerous Method with yeah. um, Viggo Mortensen and Michael Fassbender. Dangerous Method is during the period, the Cronenberg period, where somebody was like, David Cronenberg, you are a genius. And he was like, <laughs> I am. <laughs> Yeah, and, right. And so, like, his films have, for the last, like, what, 10 to 15 years have been kind of like, oh, except for maybe Maps to the Stars, which is a, a little bit more fun. But his films are like, oh, come on, buddy. Uh-huh. And so, like, this is not a film I like, but. 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 It's worth watching for Keira Knightley. And that's, you know, that might sound crazy because there are other famous actors, you know, Michael Fassbender, former subject Michael Fassbender, Viggo Mortensen are both in this movie. They are playing the leads of the film. They're playing Freud and Carl Jung. And she fucking steals the show. She? She wholeheartedly throws her whole body, her chin, just wagging back and forth the whole time. Yeah. It's 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 such a physical performance. Yeah. And bitch, talk about accent work. Yeah. She's great. Yeah. I, I mean, th- truly, I was like, Wow, this movie's so fucking boring, but she's so good in this. And you would you don't want it to be boring. It's it should be kinkier. And I know. how did David Cronenberg make the tamest kinky movie in the I world? I know. It's so bizarre. The man who made Crash, the one about people having sex with car crashes, not the one about race. Like he 
he made that movie and yet he and made yet... this tepid film about being spanked. Yeah, that, that's a very good word, tepid. I was like, God, she's... If, if everyone gave as much as Kira gave in this movie. Yeah. My God. When you stopped talking just now, did a thought come into your head? I don't know. Uh, or an image, perhaps. Yes. Was it an image? Yes. Yes. What was the image? It was, it was a, a hand. My, 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 my father's hand. Why do you think you saw that? When, whenever he went... After, whenever he... Whenever he hit us, we afterwards we had to we had to kiss his hand. She did uh, seeking a friend for the end of the world, which the era of just give Steve Carell whatever he wants, yeah, including ending up with Kira Knightley at this apocalypse movie. Oh, don't get me started. Don't even get me D- started. Don't even get me started. Um, she also. What, this is the, the same year that she does. She completes her hat trick with Joe Wright with Anna Karenina. Yes. Um, talk about bitch. Bitch, you want style? Yeah, <laughs> honey. Joe Wright was like, "Oh, you think Anna Karenina's boring? Yeah. What if I put it in a theater? Just wait, honey. You haven't seen shit yet. I had not seen this movie before. Oh, really? Yeah. And I was like, it's, I put it on. It's a feast. And I said, and I could not look away. Yeah. This is a movie that demands attention because it is. Going to fuck with your brain at yeah. every moment. Like, I just remember, like, I was like, oh, gag. Like, it, this movie is a drag queen. Like, it's reveals, reveals, reveals. And good reveals. Yes. Like, because the secret to a reveal, as every good drag queen knows. You don't see it coming. Yeah, you don't see it coming. And the first outfit, <laughs> the starting outfit, has to be a good, complete outfit. Yes, yes. It can't just be a Jiffy Popcorn bag. Correct. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> but, like, yeah. She won anyways. It doesn't matter. But, like, this... <laughs> There's a moment where she's walking down a hallway and then it's like rips off like the wallpaper or whatever. And yeah. then like they're in a fucking moving train. And I was like, yeah, ah! like this movie, this movie has everything. OK, yeah. Um, Domo Gleason's in it. A great, great cast all around. Um, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Matthew McFadden, who, yes. who was Mr. Darcy. And, you know, you have all of these great performances. Um why can't I think of any of the other women? Jude Law. Oh, uh, oh, Jude Law. Jude Law being hot because that's what he does. Yes. Um, yeah, just uh, Ruth Wilson, Alicia Vikander. Uh, Alicia Vikander. A, a tiny Alicia Vikander. Yeah. The shooting schedule of this movie was massive. It was yeah. months long. And, and she, she says that it wasn't as fun as the other movies yeah. that she made with Joe Wright. But just because it was so technically taxing. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of like complex camera work and like moving sets it's fucking bonkers yeah um if you have the time because it is a little bit lengthy um but not terrible no i no, will no. say for an adaptation of anna karenina <laughs> it does a good job of pairing down they the said b plots gonna let's go yeah, let's go I've, i read that book is long um <laughs> it, it doesn't even end when she dies <laughs> let's just say that at least this one does <laughs> um the, the movie doesn't do as well i would say no. as the other joe wright movies um, probably because it was very fucking weird. Yeah. Um, but it's Gorginta. We're kind of getting into like she, the modern era. Yeah. This is this is what we sort of classically know, and this is really what I was talking about before, where it's almost like 
she now feels the need to be like one for them, one for me, mm-hmm. one for them, one for me. Which is not to say that like all of the period pieces are that some of them aren't for her, but like you know, for every begin again she does, she's gonna do like a Colette, or for every laggy she does, she's gonna do like a the aftermath. You know, yeah, like. And and it's and it feels that way where it's like I'm gonna do this independent thing with this thing that I maybe truly believe in, right. and then maybe do this less independent thing where I get to like wear a period suit and a wig. Right. I mean, she does a Jack Ryan. Um, oh yeah, didn't even remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, she does a Jack Ryan. It's funny. Yeah, Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit, which we talked about in our Chris Pine episode. Correct. And once again. She's not good in it. No. And I believe I said that in the Chris Pine episode. But I think, so. like, she also, I mean, she's probably just like, what am I doing here? Yeah. Um, she does have the one fun scene where he, like, has to come out to her as a spy. And she's like, oh, thank God. Yeah, she's yeah, like, yeah, I thought you were cheating on yeah. me. Um, she, she, you mentioned laggies, which we're going to hit everyone in laggies eventually. Mm-hmm. The Chloe Grace and Rats episode. <laughs> Stay tuned for the Chloe Grace Moretz episode. Uh, uh, but we've we, done Sam Rockwell. We've we've done Lynn Shelton. Yeah. If you want to hear more about that movie, you can obviously go to those places, which is funny. And I know that I'm saying that even though Kira is the star of the film, but I think we've... I've we've, talked about how fucking crazy that movie is and how... Yeah, we can move on. Um, she, she, it's We need to mention Imitation Game, a very meh movie yeah. that... Uh, ends up being very popular and she gets a lot of notice for it. Yeah. Um, it is just the most like basic Oscar-y movie that they're ever Oscared. Yeah. Um, it's funny. It's one of the movies she does with Matthew Good though. Uh, about a week before that movie was nominated for its Academy Award for the screenplay, back when I worked for the Tribeca Film Institute on their podcast, we interviewed the writer of it. And at the end of the interview, not on the podcast, I told him about my innate fear of Matthew Good. <laughs> because Matthew Good is so good looking that it feels like he maybe just murdered somebody and, mm-hmm. and, and got like, away with it. Yep. Got away with it. And like, you're just going to end up getting framed for it. And he was like, oh, that's terrible. You feel that way. He's such a nice guy. And I was like, that's how he gets you. Yeah, yeah. Don't... <laughs> He's like, well... Fuck me, I guess hot people can just be nice too, I guess. Uh, she does Collateral Beauty. We talked about that in our Will Smith episode. Yeah, that's not a real thing. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. So she sits out the fourth Pirates. Yeah. She's like, thank, nah. thank you, I'm out. Orlando's not coming back. Thank you, I'm out. The fifth one. I was gonna watch it because I was like, well, I heard she's back. And then I went to Wikipedia. It's a tip spot. Yeah. It's a tip spot. She doesn't even have any dialogue. No, no. She's like, hi. Um, <laughs> really, the next big thing she does, though, is Colette. Yes. Um, a perfectly good airplane movie. I saw it on an airplane. <laughs> she is, again, she, a lot of, um, I would say, bisexuality in yeah. a lot of her movies. It's it's just there. Yeah. She just has that energy. And I think it's part of that androgyny she has. Um, and uh, she's hot enough that, yeah. It, that movie led me down a path of finding out. I don't. I didn't love the film. I thought it was fine. Thought it was a perfectly passable movie. Uh, but it led me down a path of like finding out more about Colette herself. Mm-hmm. And for that, I am truly grateful. To yeah, the film, I so. mean, truly, I was like, I mean, da- this is just like I'm like, yeah, there are fucking incredible women in history. The two stories deserve to be told, right? And thank God we have and, Kira and, Knightley. And whose stories that like we're constantly told are much straighter mm-hmm. than they actually mm-hmm. are. 
Absolutely. Um, she got a lot of good notices for that. Um, I think she kind of like, it was a swing and a miss for the Oscars. Yeah. Whatever. Um, but I think she's good in it. Um, that kind of gets us to today. You know, she she does The Nutcracker in the Four Realms, which is a movie technically. And she certainly made choices. Oh, uh, yeah. She said, I'm going to do research. I'm going to... I'm going to talk like this mm-hmm. <laughs> the whole time. Sweetest Clara, your mother and I used to dance and dance. La, da, da, da. Sugar plums. Sugar plums. Oh, well, my family wonder where I've gone. Oh, no, no. Why not? You see... Your world moves much more slowly than our world. You'll be back before we even notice that you disappear. I think also this is the time she's married now, starting to have yeah. kids, and she's thinking about family. Family. Um, no, she certainly is, and I, and I do think it's it's one thing to like, you know, have movies that you can show your children, right? Versus, you know, she's not going to sit down with them and show them a the dangerous af- method. The aftermath. <laughs> yeah, the aftermath. Um, she has sense, by the way, this is a sidebar, because uh, clearly she doesn't appear nude in uh, Nutcracker. She no longer does her own nude scenes. Was she in A Dangerous Method? Uh, I think Dangerous Method might be the one of the last times. Um, she's she's never done bottom before. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's never, she's not a bottom. She's, she's totally a, bottom. a top. Okay. Great. Very clear. Uh, but she's never done bottom nudity before, like front front wise. Because as I said before, she doesn't care about showing her breasts. Because but now that she's a mother, she's like, I don't have to do this anymore. And honestly, I appreciate that autonomy yes. where she's like, you know what? And so she said she's had to be on sets where she's had to like pick her own butt double mm. because well, in the aftermath, which is what comes out later that year, also in twenty nineteen. I think that's the movie. I think there's that's a the but, movie. There's a butt. Yeah, is that she was like, I'm no longer doing this. Like, yeah. and they were like, okay, and they pulled her into an office and were like, pick out your butt. Yeah. So, um, the aftermath. I I remember seeing the trailer and I was like, oh, they're dumping it in January. So yeah. this must have been a movie that they thought could make a award run, and then we're like, but probably not. So we're just gonna, um. This is a movie where they definitely tried to do a green dress moment. It's a gold dress. Yeah. It's a gorgeous dress. Um, but the but movie... But it's not the dress. But it's not the dress. And this is not the movie. Um, Alexander Skarsgård is so fucking hot. Yeah. It's Also, that insane. movie... That movie, like, really edges the line of, like, not all Nazis. And I was like, mm. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's kind of, like... Again, I think she's... In a lot of these movies, it's like, there are no winners in war. Yeah. There are no... Like, war is bad. It's... Yeah. I mean, obviously, the Holocaust was fucking horrible. Fuck Nazis. Like, to be clear. Yeah. But the horrors of war affect everyone. And, like, that is a failure across the board for, you know, like, humanity. Um, I don't know if... I would I would not say Aftermath is good. I think she is perfectly decent. Yeah. I like seeing her and Alexander Skarsgård together. They are a hot couple. But it's another movie where I feel like... There are there are plenty of British actresses who could have done what she yeah. did in that film. Yeah, very fair. Um, oh, and and I, I I think the last thing or not the last thing, but official secrets. I want. I mention. was going to say if you were going to skip official secrets, I, I do think it's worth talking about. Official secrets is good. Yeah, she's good in it. She's good in it. The the bad thing about official secrets is the filmmaking, which is unofficially. Yeah, <laughs> Gavin. <laughs> Officially, Ga- this is bad. Gavin Hood, who directed it who, like, everybody thought was going to be the next big thing for a while, and then he directed X-Men Origins Wolverine. Ah! Yeah, exactly. And Ender's Game. And 
so now he's like making his bread by like doing these kind of like understated political thrillers. However, like there's no camera movement. It's all sedate. Like if if you were to tell me that what what is get if you were to ask me what is Gavin Hood's directorial style and I'd be like I don't know shooting coverage. <laughs> I don't I, like I don't know. And that's the unfortunate thing because it is a good story. It's a real story about a, a woman who like she leaks yeah, a memo. She's a whistleblower. Yeah. To, to basically be like, hey, the U.S. is coercing Britain into the Iraq, the Iraq-Afghanistan war and <laughs> the lie of um, weapons of mass destruction. Yeah. And, and she gets put on trial for mm-hmm. that. And, and Ray Fiennes. Ray Fiennes, once again. Stealing the show. Yes. Always. He's so fucking good. We, we have to do him, like, soon. <laughs> we, yes. Yeah. Um, we'll get to him. Put, put a pin in Ray Fiennes. <laughs> but not really. That'll hurt him. <laughs> I'll put something in him. <laughs> That's getting true, late. True top energy. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I think she's very good in Official Secrets. I think yes. it's, uh, she's at the point in her career where she's like, I don't give a fuck yeah. what I look like. I don't give a fuck what anyone thinks what I look like. Yeah. And and she's also in more control of her body. She's not always going to the chin wag yeah. maneuver anymore that she's known for. Um, and... Also, I just think this fucking movie's like not the movie. Yeah, and I and I know that you're like a sucker for a journalism movie, and there there's definitely like moments where I was like, okay, like this has been done better in other movies before, but I think it's incredibly engaging, and it's also on Netflix, so it's it's highly watchable, and I I recommend it. My only complaint about her performances is they then show you footage of the real woman at the end of the movie, and I was like, why is Kira not blonde? Yeah, I was like, she's a blonde. They're they're like Kira's like okay, literally, I can do anything but be blonde. so sorry um i like that you put your chin in that when you yeah i was like mm. uh and then we talked about uh misbehavior um in our pa- was it pageant movies yeah yeah in our pageant movies um a, a movie that again has higher aspirations yeah than it could meet it's it's heart was in the right place mm-hmm. um but it it's so ensemble it, it sort of wastes yep. the time of a lot of the people that are in that ensemble uh, the last thing that she has done, the most recent thing that she has done, uh, that is out that you can watch on AMC Plus, for all five of you that have that, is a Silent Night, um, directed by Camille Griffin, which is I don't know if you got to this, but yeah. it, it's a another film about the end of the world. It's a film about um, roving gas clouds that are going to kill everybody on the planet. So everybody's getting together for their last Christmas dinner. Like, it's it's set, like, now. Okay. Every, and they apparently finished it right before the pandemic started, even though it feels very... Of so it's, time. like, her, her and a group of her friends, and they're getting together because they're all going to commit suicide at midnight with their children and everything. And it's just... I just don't understand this proclivity of these films about the end of the earth that are just about the most boring, annoying, asinine people that you don't want to spend time with anyways. Right. Steve fucking Carell. Steve fucking Carell. Uh, but yeah, that was not a film I liked. But um, but also Matthew Good. Her and Matthew Good as a couple. Once again. Always wonderful. Um, really quickly, she is married to James Wrighton. They have two children, two daughters. Um, she is very, you know, into her kids and motherhood now. She, she did want to be a dentist, which I was super happy about because I thought, you know, that's a stable career. What? Now she wants to be a lion. Oh. <laughs> Which I think is slightly more problematic. Yeah, not a good she living. She roars very well. Yes. Uh, is yes. that what she's practicing, roaring? Very much so. I think it's so wonderful to see her emerge from the hellhole that was the media and being young and bullied by literally fucking everyone. 
I'm glad that she, you know, she won a, um, a libel case against the Daily Mail um, after it um, claimed that she had an eating disorder. She donated all the money to um, a charity for those suffering from mental illness and eating disorders. Um, there's just like a lot of things I'm so happy now. She seems like she's in a good place where she's not killing herself yeah. for, um, you know, to killing herself to be at work in movies that suck to be out of the like spotlight of the public media. I, I do want to mention while you're here, because we, we sort of teased it uh, at the beginning and then didn't actually talk about it. Um, she's in the movie Begin Again, which I picked famously as my one-star review yes, yes. during the <gasps> Ruffalo episode. Yes. She talks about very much how she did not have a good time making yes. that movie. John Carney, uh, who directed the film, also directed movies that I, I like, Sing Street and whatnot, um, had disparaged her publicly. He referred to her in an interview as a supermodel and said he sh- you should never work with them and uh, complimented both Mark Ruffalo and uh, Adam Levine on their acting ability. Adam Levine? I know. And really disparaged her. Um, and he eventually finally took to Twitter in uh, about uh, 2017 to apologize. Um, he said, I'm ashamed of myself that I could say such things and I've never, uh, and I've been trying to account for what they say about me. I'm trying to pick holes in my work. I ended up blaming someone else. Kara was nothing but professional and dedicated during the film and she contributed hugely to its success. Um, it's not something I could ever justify and will never repeat. But, you know, it's frustrating that he, you know, the film didn't do well. And and a lot of people sort of saw it as like a, like a, a lesser once, you right, know? Right, and, right. and so I think he took those criticisms to heart. I mean, and to be clear, it is a lesser once. I know. It's American uh, once. I mean, I don't like the movie, so I'm not going to disagree with you. But I, I, th- I think it's unfortunate, but all too common with men mm-hmm. to look to blame somebody else for maybe yes, some blame, of their incompetence. Yes, blame and, the beautiful woman for right. your shortcomings. And and that's and that's really frustrating that he did that. And I'm glad like people came to her defense. I believe Mark Ruffalo came to her defense and everything. But it, it is frustrating that that happened because, you know, as I have always believed, and actually, funny enough, the person I think who said it best is Joel Schumacher on the commentary to Batman and Robin, which is, if a film is a success, it should be the success of everybody who was involved in making it. And if a film is considered a failure, it should fall on the director. Mm-hmm. And he was referring to Batman and Robin being a failure and he, him taking it on. And it was frustrating to see Carney decide, well, it couldn't possibly be my fault. Right, right. So therefore, it's her fault. Right. And it's... <laughs> yeah. What is there to say? He's, he, fu- he sounds like he was a fucking, like, dum-dum. And, you know, he's apologized and good. And I'm glad. And like I said, I am happy that Kira has moved on from that bullshit. And it seems like she's mostly just doing stuff that she wants to fucking do now. Yeah. Um, and also just, like, unashamed about, you know, her period dramas that she fucking kills in. So, like... Yeah. Who gives she a knows fuck? where her bread is butter. Yes. You know? Yes. And I want more. <laughs> I do too. Honestly, yeah. Um, Just maybe not uh, the aftermath. Maybe a little less. May- maybe less aftermath. To, to talk like really quickly, she's uh, you know she works with Amnesty International. Um, she you know has traveled to Ethiopia. Uh, she does 
stuff with Water Aid, the American Library Association, yeah, Oxfam, Women's Aid. You know, she all the things. And once again, the reason why we like to talk about charity work on this show is because so often it does seem like people look at celebrities and they're like, oh, why aren't they putting their money where their mouth is or what, you know, and that's more often than not, they are. It's just not publicized because tabloids would rather be like, does this person have an eating disorder? Oh, are they on the outs in their relationship? And it's like, there's nothing sexy, I guess, about giving money to water charities. Right. But it's fantastic that she does and it's good that she does. Yeah. And like, you know, she talks about her dyslexia. She... Um, backed made by dyslexia a global campaign to help teachers address and teach um, dyslexic students um, just two years ago so yeah she's a good person yeah um and fuck anyone who says otherwise <laughs> uh okay gavin are you ready for our picks yeah so now that we've just called her a good person why don't we do the bad part do our one star reviews and get that out of the way I'll be honest. Okay. Coming into this, I knew what my picks were. You already did. And then I watched all of her movies and I waffled a bit. And then you gave me an extra week. And in that extra week, I was like, you waffled more. I was right the first time. Oh, okay. okay. I, I, I came back. I was like, you know what? And so if I had to pick a one star review, it would be 2012's seeking a friend for the end of the world. Okay. This is full disclosure. A movie I dislike, regardless of Keira Knightley. <laughs> so, I'm a little biased. It's with or without you. Yes. The <laughs> The first time I saw this movie was uh, in the theater. I went alone, and it was the night before I broke up with my last girlfriend. Mm. And I knew we were breaking up, and she didn't know. So, like, I was prepping for that. So this movie left me in an awful mood anyways, because I ended up hating it. Because I was like, I need something that will make me laugh and, like, lighten the mood, because tomorrow I'm gonna do something drastic with my life. This was not that movie, babe. <sighs> no, this was not that movie. I got out of this movie and was so mad. Seeing your friend for the end of the world, very simple premise. There's a comet hurtling towards the Earth. Everyone is going to die. Steve Carell is a man in an unhappy marriage whose wife literally runs away from him. Played by his actual wife. Oh, it's his actual wife? Yeah, which I appreciate. Wow. Um, and he doesn't really know how to spend the rest of the, the end of everything. He has friends he doesn't like. He has, um, in the weirdest, most off-color joke, a Latin maid who yes. doesn't seem to understand the world is ending. She just keeps coming and he's like... To clean wow. his house. Yeah. And I was like, what is this joke? What I don't yeah. understand. This feels like family guy, like the woman who's like... Right, right. Anyways, uh, his next door neighbor is Kira Knightley, who's dating Adam Brody. The crux of this movie rests on that she gets his mail sometimes. Yes. And has received a letter meant for him from... His ex-lover, yes, okay. who he's like yeah. hopeful that he could get back together with her before the world ends. Yes. So he's going to go visit an ex-lover and convinces her to come with him because she's been receiving his mail. And, you know, they're going to basically do the cathartic like last thing. She's also in the process of trying to get back to England to visit her family before mm-hmm. the world ends. And he promises that if she helps him, he can maybe get her over there. Um Yeah, and from there, it becomes a road movie. The reason I didn't bring it up in our road movie episode is because I don't like this movie. Uh And 
uh, you know, it's it's tableau after tableau of all these people. Like every everyone's crazy. The yeah. the friendlies is like an orgy, mm-hmm. and like the, there's her former boyfriend who runs an underground underground bunker cult, and yeah. uh, Steve Carell, you know, can't quite realizes he doesn't really like want to interrupt this woman's life. And anyways, he reconnects with his father, who is Martin Sheen. Martin Sheen, and is a pilot. And basically, like, the the joke with Keira Knightley is that once she's asleep, she's asleep. She's dead to the world. So he, like, puts her in his dad's plane. There isn't enough room for both of them. And he's going to let her fly to England. And then he's going to spend his last day alone. And he goes back home. And she shows up. Because she made Martin Sheen turn the plane around. Yeah. Because she's in love with him. Yeah. And they spend their last day together. At the beach. Yeah. Um, I remember watching this movie and I was like... They're going to fly that little plane to Europe? (laughs) I was like, this little plane is going... I was like, I don't know where this movie is set. Right. But no matter what, even from New York, that tiny little plane going to London? Um, On top of that, I think the reason why Keira Knightley is not good in this movie is because she is the classic manic pixie dream girl. Pixie dream girl. She absolutely is. Which bothers me because this movie is written and directed by Lauren Scafaria, who would go on to direct Hustlers. I I fucking love Hustlers. Like, Hustlers is great. This movie is garbage. Yeah, she wrote this movie. uh, She said that Adam Brody was, like, essential for understanding the male port. Like, he came in and helped, helped her beef up the script. Adam Brody helped beef up the script yeah, for for like a male more male point of view, which I think is hilarious because the men are Steve Steve Carell basically doesn't have a character. No, he's boring. He's, he's boring. He's boring play. And then the rest of the men are all caricatures. Adam Brody's like this, like maybe on drugs, maybe like weakling crying guy. Like mm-hmm. it's all very, like the tone is off. Every everything is off. Uh, Keira Knightley's character doesn't possibly exist. She does have a good scene. And apparently it's a scene in which she made the crew cry. So good for her. But she gets, she uses her ex-boyfriend's satellite phone to call home. I miss you like crazy. Uh, Tell me everything. How's the garden? Is everyone there? Oh, I hear the baby. Is that my niece? She sounds beautiful. What did you name her? It's lovely. Yeah. It's the scene in the movie. But once again, I do not understand these films about the apocalypse that the whole concept is like, we're going to show you the secret of like the internal human. humanity. Yeah. And, and like, they're about nothing. They, they're, they're not relevatory. They're not a grander experience they're just like everybody sucks i know that but also the idea that steve carell and kira knightley in the last three days of human existence are like wow you were the love of my life yeah i wish we'd had more time and it's like no this was perfect i'm like what the fuck are you talking about like this isn't romantic like this is not how this works this would not like even if it was you know me and Steve Carell, last three days on Earth, and, like, it would be like, okay, lol, we had a good time, but we're gonna die now. Not right. like, 
oh my god you better shove me off in a fucking plane with my, your dad like what it's it's the it is asking us one thing to you know to spend disbelief that the world is about to end with this comet but if they're trying to like search for the humanity and like going for that realistic thing like right. vibe it's like there's such a disconnect here yeah like we are they're trying to make us learn something, but also I'm like, how the fuck am I supposed to take anything from this? Because it's so ridiculous. Right. And there, and there's so many, you know, any, it's so weird because it, it wants you to empathize, but then also like some of the gags are literally people throwing themselves off of buildings right. to their death. Right. And it's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be laughing at. Right. Here. And there's like a guy who gets assassinated. Yeah. Who hires a man to assassinate him. I, it's so... It's just not my cup of tea, and I really wish tonally... There's one time in the movie where I, I like, connected with a character or thought that there was something that's slightly deeper, and that's actually Connie Britton's very brief character. Mm -hmm. And there's a scene where she kisses Steve Carell in the tub, and he's like, whoa, what are you doing? Like, you have a husband. And she's like, so? Like, does any of that matter? And then she, like, says his wife's name, and she's like, why does she get to run away? Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, yes. I was like... Where the fuck is her movie? Yeah, I was like, there's your lead. Yes. <laughs> That's... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Connie Britton's fucking good. Yeah. Uh, I agree. Wasted. But yeah, uh, Seeking a Friend for the Inner World. Don't like that movie. Um. Okay. Uh. Sorry, but my one-star review is, in fact, 2005's Domino. Um. You, I have no need to apologize. <laughs> uh, I do think that there is enough there because she is all up fucking in it. She is the one gal, except for Lucy Liu, who is yeah. interviewing her yeah. and is like the one little hint of queerness, but it's like done, of course, in a very like masculine hetero way of, yeah. and like fuck off. Um, yeah. So we, like you said, this is directed by Tony I, Scott. I thought it might've been your one star review. So I knew when I was saying that I was just like, Oh no, maybe, but I, I mean, I, I, yeah, it's the, the, the thing is, <laughs> I didn't know that Domino Harvey was a real person. Domino is about a woman who, what, is a model and hates it. Yeah. And so she decides to come to America, I guess, and goes to L.A. and is like, I want to be a bounty hunter. And goes to bounty hunter class or whatever because literally it is that she yeah. shows up and she's like i want to be a bounty hunter whatever that yeah. accent was um and it, accurate and literally it's like she's like i did nunchucks a lot as a kid yeah and they they show us her just whipping around nunchucks and i was like god has nunchucks like <laughs> never looked like worse it it just looks so bad and they give her, like, the edgy haircut like she's fucking on the second episode of America's Next Top Model. Everything she wears is, like, stupid. Yeah. Um, for they, whatever... The, like, IMDb trivia for this was, like, um, her and the, the two lead guys, Edgar Ramirez and... Uh, Mickey Rooney. Mickey... Mickey Rooney Rourke. Rourke. Oh, lol. I would love if it was it's Mickey, Mickey Rooney. Rourke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whoa, yeah. you want to be a hunter. Um... <laughs> They, like, wear these very lightweight bulletproof vests. And the IMDb trivia is like, while stylish, those don't protect. Correct. About anything. Um, I, I don't know, like, plot-wise, because there's really just nothing. It's like a jumble. Brian Austin Green is there. Okay, yeah, like, so, like, I'm just going to go over some, like, bullet points. 
a lot of 90210 talk. Yeah. Um, Brian Austin Green and Ian, Ian, what are the fuck? Ian Zeering. They go over it in the movie. They literally. do. I don't care. Um, <laughs> you can tell they're trying to rehab their image from the stupidity yeah. of the show. It's like they're trying to be edgy and, and crazy. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Walken and Minu Suvari as like producers of reality TV. Yeah. Like a CW. Yes. Yeah. But it feels like, I was like, this is just of the time where like this movie was like, okay, we need the 90210. We need reality TV. We need um, hot girls and hot guys um, and guns. Uh, we need Las Vegas and the stratosphere, yeah. which is, I don't know if you've ever been to the stratosphere. It is, <laughs> it's not nice. No. <laughs> it's, I, I've, I, I have been. Um, <laughs> and, and I went because it was cheap. Um, so let's just say that. I mean, uh, that's the best way to get around Vegas. Uh, it's. The, the, the movie is oh 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 and then bullet five monique yes um monique and macy gray um and the like sob story of why we steal money because life is hard and no one cares about poor people um and so i have to do the thing <sighs> it's fucking bananas um the Kira knightley of it all she thinks she's doing something she is not but that is a symptom of this movie thinking it's doing something that it is not. Um, the movie thinks like filtered gels and Burger King edits doth a movie make. Um, there's a moment where the three bounty hunters, because Domino is just like, I'm going to be one. And they're like, okay. Um, literally because they're like, yeah, if we have a hot girl on the team. Yeah. It's good. And they show up to a um, a gang situation. I don't fucking know. It's a bunch of cholas because, of course, it is. Yeah. Movie's also incredibly racist. We'll just, Super duper yeah. racist. Um, and everyone has their guns out. It's like a million bad guys and then the three bounty hunters. And she's like, it's time for me to do my hot girl stuff. Yeah. She does a lap. And she says, I'll give you a lap dance. And they're like, what the fuck? Okay, puta. Show me what you got, girl. And... I just can't imagine. <laughs> like, bounty hunters are basically the cops. Like, they're there to take you to the cops. Yeah. And I was like, for a movie that thinks it's so fucking hardcore and edgy, to think that these men would be like, okay, skinny, no-ass, girly, just right. like, give one, like, they don't have a radio. It's, 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 she, she gives a lap dance. It's like Gumby just waving back and yeah. forth. We're not cops, we're bounty hunters. All we want is Hector. Fuck you and the fucking pulpos, bitch! You tell me where he is and I'll give you... Your what? Sometimes a girl has to be naughty in order to get herself out of a jam. I'll give you a lap dance. Fuck you, I'll bitch, give man! You... Fuck you, bitch! I'll give you a lap dance, bra and panties on. Man, if I wanted a lap dance, go to a strip joint, motherfucker. Come on, you and me. If we did a reverse, um... Like all stars show, like this might be like, what's the, the word the opposite of an all star? Like a a na star. A na star. This is maybe the oneiest one star review I've ever given. <laughs> uh, I do want to say, by the way, uh, the other thing, and you bring up a really good point that bounty hunters are essentially the cops. Like they're they're not above the law. No, there is a scene where they cut off a man's arm. Mm-hmm. Yes, they, they would. Face consequences. Correct. For that. They are not superheroes, right? Um, 
They fully cut off the man's arm and they don't have to. No. It's because she misunderstands a broken up cell phone right. call. It's a can you from, hear me now situation. Yeah, from Delroy Lindo, whom I love and is also better than this movie. Yeah. Yeah, that it's it's the most 2005 thing there ever was. Yeah. Um, very bad. Was there anything else that you saw that you didn't particularly like? I didn't like watching um, A Dangerous Method. She's so good in it. Yeah, no, I, I I warned you of that ahead of time. You did. I was like, it is not a good movie, but she is very good. But I was like, oh, this is like actively, I don't like watching this. <laughs> I think Nutcracker in the Four Realms is horrendous. Yeah. My niece played it nonstop over Christmas, so I guess it hit the market. They fucking love it. But uh, she's fucking making choices, and it's crazy. Um, obviously begin again is not a hit with me, but once again, not blaming it on Kira, um, her other apocalypse, quote unquote, comedy silent night, which is her newest film. I just think she doesn't need to be doing this crap. Like it just, and did you see last night? Yeah. And last night, there we go. Last night with, um, Eva Mendes. Oh, and I like Eva. I like Eva. She's real bad in that movie. Yeah. Last night. And remember Sam fucking Worthington? Remember? No. Yeah. No. That's right. No one does. Um, Last night, which is just like, what if we put hot people together and they don't want to cheat, but they do want to cheat. Ooh. Like, ugh. And also for me, the whole, just because underage breasts, not my... Right. Made me feel gross. King Arthur... Oh yeah, King Arthur's real bad. And so long. I could not find a non-director's cut version of it. And I like, guess uh. Yeah, and I guess the non-director's cut version is under two hours. The director's cut version's like two and a half. And I was like, why? Please. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there you know, clearly she's had misses in her career. Yeah. Um, but I think what's so striking is that she has had incredible hits, and I mean that not just like in movie or money making, but like some pretty astounding films that she's made um, that feature her uh, and her talents just like to the next level. You know, she could have easily gone the way of just like, you know, beautiful, uh, uh, you know, British actress who, you know, does succumb to the pressure and, and, and scrutiny, but she has really persevered and has made some stunning films. Well, that being said, then, why don't we just get into our five-star reviews? My five-star review, I I don't think it's that out of left field, because I I do think it's a film that she should have gotten more notices for. But I'm going to go with her third Jorite collaboration, Anna Karenina. Mm. I think one of the things, you know, we talked all about the spectacle of it. It's, it is really gorgeous. It's so technically well thought out. Everything, you know, the, the opera scene towards the end, the racing scene, the the racing scene unparalleled. I said, how? And I said, how again? (laughs) The, one of my favorite things in it is the dance scene. The first time that she dances with Aaron Taylor Johnson. And it's so well choreographed that everybody freezes as they pass them. And then they all disappear. And then they all come back. And I love also in a way that's sort of a callback to what he did in Pride and Prejudice. Because when she has her first dance with Mr. Darcy, there's a moment where everybody goes away. (laughs) And so I love that he's, he's like, 
self he's not afraid to reference or not, or not reference. reference and uh but <laughs> i love us <laughs> With that, that all being said uh, i i want to talk about her performance because i think anna Karenina is maybe one of the most misunderstood characters in literature because she is both a woman who is trapped by her position in society that says that she can't have wants or aspirations or things but on the other hand, and the thing that people often don't talk about, she is a selfish character. Mm -hmm. And she is a woman who, especially in the book, she talks about like not loving her children. And I think what this movie does is it's able to recenter that conversation a little bit, a tiny bit, in both the way that it presents Anna herself, and as well as the, the way that Kira is embodying this character because she is playing a woman who can't control her wants. And it's very much that scene that you're talking about where she goes in and she grabs the curtain and she and she's suddenly back on the train. And it's like one of the few moments in the movie where she can breathe. She can exist by herself. But she's somebody who doesn't know what she wants. And so she is suffering and she thinks the only way that she can participate in the society is through her own pleasure and you know to the detriment of both her mental state and the people around her mm -hmm. because she doesn't care about she drags way. all those fuckers down yeah absolutely yeah and so it's hard it's a hard role to play because you do have to find a way to get the audience to feel sympathy for you but as well as acknowledge that you are a 100% person who has this other side that is not great. It's funny because it is basically like an inverse mirror reflection of the Duchess. Yeah. Um, because these are both women who have to live by societal rules, um, have affairs, um, have children um, in, in, in these affairs and making decisions of like, how to survive, how to continue on, how do you maintain your dignity. Unfortunately, it doesn't work out in Anna Karenina. Yeah. I mean, maybe the most famous suicide in all of literature. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, you know, in the end, it becomes so overwhelming for her, she throws herself in front of a train. She's unable to both meet the societal expectations, the pomp and circumstance, the theatricality of society. You know, I've also seen critics who've complained about the idea. They're like, oh, of course, society is the theater and it's all about acting and the real world is out in the fields and whatnot and it's like yeah it's like yeah you don't think joe wright didn't think about that like yeah he knows he knows it's kind of a like not like that not deep of an idea right he's not like he's not being like oh i have the smartest idea <laughs> like they shot that movie for like six months somebody thought of that okay. but i think also like it's not just about being in the field like so domo gleason's like the right. b plot is like domo is and that character in is, the novel he's an equal character, like, switches mm. back and forth between them. I mean, so, like, his character is all about, you know, true love yes. and waiting for true love and not just getting married because society expects it. But I don't think it's just because he goes and learns that out in the fields or whatever. Like, he gets married to Alicia Vikander's character, who is a part of society yeah. world, and they learn... A lot from, you know, yes, like the farmers or whatever. But like, I, I just love like the, there's really wonderful parallels between like their final like reconciliation with like the little blocks. Oh, yeah. Um, 
you know, Anna and her love triangle, but then also uh, Domo's brother in this movie and like who's married to a woman that I don't think speaks the same language. <laughs> she is, um, I think, like of a different race. Um, and the whole idea of like, would you die for love? Yeah. And, and like, that's like a big conversation. I just like thought it was so lovely. I've never fucking read this book. I didn't know shit about it. Um, but overall, it's just like so lovely in every single thing. The scene when they go into the man's office and it's like the typing is all choreographed. And then in a second, the whole place turns into a restaurant. Yes. I was just like jaw on the ground. Difficulties, 10. Execution, <laughs> 10. Yeah. It's a really impressive film. Uh, you know, you're always going to have detractors because I do think people think about it as like the least of the three of the of the Joe Wright trilogy. I don't think that's fair. No. But, you know, but there, there's always going to be somebody who's like, I'm the smartest guy in the room. It's so, a different animal. Yeah, it very much is. Um, and she's just so fantastic. And she really digs deep for that performance. And I understand it's not a pleasant character to really play either. So like, I also get that like, Maybe she didn't have the greatest time making it, not just because it was technical, but also you have to put so much into that, yeah. you know, Anna herself. Yeah. It's really fascinating. You love me, only me. Your note said your husband would be out. He was late. That serves him right. And you? Why do you call him my husband? I mean, he, he isn't my husband. He's, he's a But cop. it was he's awkward. My honor. You made an agreement. Do you think of your honor when you're sharing halls with your colonel? Your demon again. I'll be glad to die before you start to hate me. Anna. You know, I always thought uh, when growing up watching Gilmore Girls, when <laughs> Rory mentioned that her favorite novel is Anna Karenina, I'm like, that explains why Rory's so toxic. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> this is um, a red flag, to be sure. Uh, Louis, what's your five-star review? Well, say la vie because I am bewitched body and soul, Okay. Uh, it's gotta be Pride and Prejudice. It yeah, just has to be. I don't blame you. It just has to be. Um, it is that girl, will always be that girl. Um, uh, this is Joe Wright's first of, of working with, um, Kira. And it just is an astonishing, um, movie. She was so young. She had so much to prove. It, it's like that meme of like, you know... Uh, she came on set angry. She had bills to pay. She had haters out there. And 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 she just, it's just that the, the conversations that they're having, the dialogue is um, just like so fast and it's yeah. in the moment. And it's not, I guess what she's meaning, meaning it's not, it's not being edited together. It's just like, because Joe Wright does a lot of those um, one takes. Yeah. Um, and so it's just, you know, the, 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 the scene in the rain with Mr. Darcy and they are just like going at each other with venom, but you're just like, okay, fucking kiss. I swear <laughs> to God. I fought against my better judgment, my family's expectation, the inferiority of your birth, my rank and circumstance, all these things, and I'm willing to put them aside and ask you to end my agony. I don't understand. I love you. Most ardently. Please do me the honor of accepting my hand. Sir, I... I appreciate the struggle you have been through and I am very sorry to have caused you pain. Believe me, it was unconsciously done. 
Is this your reply? Yes, sir. Are you... Are you laughing at me? No. Are you rejecting me? I'm sure that the feelings which, as you've told me, have hindered your regard will help you in overcoming it. That film is really where she's showing the power of what she can do, even at such a young age. And it is sort of remarkable to watch. Because then you get these, this scene later on in the film where Judy Dench comes in and she's just a, a monster. Joe Wright said to her, said that he cast her because he's, you know, he got in contact with her and was like, I love it when you play a bitch. Would you please come play a bitch for me? And she signed on to do it. And she comes in, Lady Catherine, and she's like, there's rumors that, you know, Mr. Darcy's in love with you. Please tell me they're not true. And she's like, no, bitch. It's f-. She's like, I will not say anything. It, that scene is fucking nuts because it, she's like, do you deny it? <laughs> oh? And it's just, and it's over and over. And they are, and she's like, you have, um, what did she say? She's. Uh, disrespected me in every single way you can. I ask you to leave, madame. And then she like huffs out and she's like, oh, I've never been treated this way. <laughs> it's, and the whole time, like the entire family is of course listening in. Yeah. Um. Also the cast of girlies around her. Yeah. She becomes very good friends with Carrie Mulligan. Um, we also have Jenna Malone. Uh, we have Gone Girl. <laughs> uh, it's like, th- they're all here. And she yeah. talks about how it was really great just to be around all these women, young women around the same age who truly loved what they were doing. Um, and I think what's great too is Joe Wright was able to give them all their moment. You know, a yeah. lot of, I mean, obviously a lot of it comes from the book. It's, you know, not to downplay, but he's able not to, to downplay Jane Austen's yeah, work. It's just this little author named Jane Austen. But the great scene where Lydia tells her, like, I don't have all your advantages, bitch. Like, I, you know, some of us out here are really struggling. Yeah. yeah. And, and, like, I, I don't have my pick of the litter. I'm going to marry when I can. And, hey, guess what? It's now. It, what? Obviously, very loose interpretation of that scene. But <laughs> uh, that was me doing my James Lipton. I I don't know. I think I think there's so many special, just truly special moments yeah. in that movie, and and yeah, Kira Knightley is so fantastic. Right. I mean, I think the the power in that movie is that she is everyone's good Judy in yeah. that movie. Like as a watch, like as a viewer, you're like, this is my ride or die bitch. Like you know, she's being put through the mill. Everyone's like, oh well, Rosamond is the the beauty of the family. Uh, you know, and but like great literature. The character of Elizabeth Bennet is just like someone who you immediately connect with, who you're like, yes, like that is my bitch. Like, and you want her to succeed. It's just one of the most gorgeous movies. Um, Mr. Darcy just knows how to walk. Yeah. Just knows how to emerge from fog. Um, and it's and, a skill. It's a skill. And, and, and Kira is just, you know, this was the first true banger and it will like stand the time. Like this is the, mo- like this is to redefine a classic like this. This is the movie that every high school English class will be watching for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Um, and that's just something very special and she's very special in it. And I think just contrasting, comparing the two, I think one of the other things too is Elizabeth Bennett, when you compare her to Anna Karenina is she's also somebody who's bucking society's trends mm-hmm. but you have to play her in a way that is immediately likable to the audience whereas Anna you're allowed to play her in a fashion that's perhaps not as likable for the she's audience. She's a little spiky. Yeah and I, and I think that's a interesting 
contrast and compare. Also, we both picked literature. Literature. Is literature. Is there anything else you saw that you particularly liked? I liked The Duchess a lot. I love The Duchess. Um, yeah, I had not seen it. Not seen it. Yeah. Um, Atonement yes, also yeah. will always be that girl. Um, she has such good chemistry with all these very attractive people. Um, I still like Laggies, even though you're correct. She plays a not well person. Not well movie. human being in, in that movie. Um, I have to... I'm just going to mention. Love it or hate it. Love actually is culturally iconic um and a big part of it is her performance um and it is something to be said at 17 years old to be acting through the crazy fashion of that time period um and making people fall in love with you and to, you know i i would I would argue that like the set piece of that movie of like the, to me, you're perfect. That whole thing. Yeah. Um, you know, and her just kind of like reacting to it. Like, wow. Fucking star making, you know, like yeah. she's transcendent, you know, true. So like, I don't care if you love it or hate that movie. It's just like there, there, she, she is, she emerged from that movie. Unlike anyone else in that movie did. Yeah. For a reason. Let's just say there's a reason why she didn't spend 10 seasons on the walking dead. Anyways, um, I, I do real quickly, obviously, Official Secrets, as we said, for me, not for the filmmaking, but like her, she's perform she's, her performance is good. And I do want to say that even though, once again, I don't love the movie, I'm sort of middle of the road of it, uh, Never Let Me Go, I think she's very good, especially when she's having to play the sicker version of herself. It's it's a, mm -hmm. it's a physical, yeah. not fantastic place to be for anybody. Uh, before we get into our fast forward, why don't we do our mixed reviews reviews? My one star review was 2012's Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. And mine was 2005's Domino. My five star review was also 2012 with Anna Karenina. That's very bizarre. That is bizarre. Um, but, but very Kira. Uh, my five star review was... This is crazy. Also 2005's Pride and Prejudice. Kevin. This is a first. This, this is the first. Spooky. Uh, why don't we get into our fast forward before we get spooked out? <laughs> What's wild is she lives in Williamsburg. Um, she does. Shut the fuck up. Our good friend Samantha Stallard, a previous guest, said that she's seen Miss Knightley trotting about in Williamsburg. Um, I, I had no idea. I know. Um, we're going to go find her. Um, I would love to see her on stage. Yes. I just think, you know, the world is her oyster. She's been in this business so long and she's so young. Yeah. Um, she's so young. Like, like, cannot stress enough. I know I made a bunch of jokes at the front about her being younger than me, but she is in fact younger than me. Mm -hmm. So like, but you're 54. So yeah. I, I know. I am 79. I know. Um, she does actually... Sorry. She does have a movie that uh, she's in the process of making right now about the Boston Strangler. It's being aptly titled Boston no. Strangler. Wow. So, yeah. True crime. Hello. <laughs> um, yeah. Her and Carrie Coon. Ooh. I, I just think she has so many opportunities. Um, and, and what I love is, like, because even, you know, the things that she is doing, like Colette... I feel like, you know, you could feel the passion behind that. You know, yeah. she wanted to do that. Uh, official secrets. Like, these are stories that, to me, 
whether they are executed, you know, to their best or not, they are stories she believes are worth telling. Um, and she clearly has learned her lesson and of she's not making any more dominoes, you know, she's, yeah. and I think she's also clearly like at a, such a good place where she's like, I don't always have to work. Guess what? Like I'm fine existing as a human being and existing and like, um, her mental status at a much better place where she's like, I can relax and breathe and just enjoy my kids and my husband. Um, so yeah, I mean, even misbehavior again, it's just like heart in the right place, you know, not yeah. executed well, but like, I think that they're, it's important to have, I, I'm glad that those movies exist. I would much rather have a misbehavior than another domino. Yeah type situation i 100 agree and once again as we said before i'm fine with her doing a bunch of period pieces yes do, do i want it to become one of those things where it's like she's done like nine in a row no because but i like this sort of level that she's working at where she's like i'll do something more contemporary i'll do something more you know that's slightly older and i'm liked seeing her in them and i think she once again brings a freshness to what could be considered sort of an old-fashioned material. Right. But it's also, like, even in Official Secrets, I'm like, this works. Yeah. She is playing, you know, a modern woman. Um, It was, what, 2003, maybe? You know, n- not period... Official Secrets? Yeah. No, no. I mean, the, the time period. Oh, I was like, I was like, that movie came out, like, three years ago. No, no, no. <laughs> the time period of the movie. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, after 9-11. Gavin, ever heard of 9-11? Oh, I'm never forget. Yeah. Um, I was like, I was going to make a joke and then I was like, I'm just going to edit that out. <laughs> um, so I, it, she can do it. And even, you know, like I, I think Laggies is a ridiculous movie, but like, you know, she clearly can do, I mean, she was invented like Beckham. Right. She was love actually. Like she is not um, stock and has to do period. I just think she's, so fucking good at it. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where, and we've encountered this before, but I think she has the chops for it. Mm-hmm. You know, she's a gorgeous woman who is, in her heart, probably more of a character actor, but she's just not. Yeah, yeah. They would. They won't let her. They won't let her. No. And yeah. And I also i I have to uh, commend her. She said. I'm done with these fucking pirates movies. Yeah. Um, she got out when the getting was good. And then Disney was like, we'll give you a, a dumb truck full of money. If you'll come and not speak. Yeah. She's like, sure. Whatever. Yeah. Fine. Um, but th- they found another tiny little British woman to be the new Keira Knightley, which is fine. Whatever. Good for her. Um, but yeah, I think she's at a really great place. I- I'm just like so excited and glad that she didn't, you know, we've talked about women on this podcast before who've retired from acting. Yeah. You know, who've ha- been on top of the world and, like, it just is too much. Um, I'm glad that she has not gone that route and she um, is just being selective and making movies that she wants to make. And, you know, she will be fucking racing for that Oscar forever and good for fucking her. She deserves it. She fucking deserved it for Pride and Prejudice. Like, <laughs> uh, you, you know. You done fucked up. It, girl. Uh but, you know, I also think there's something, a part of me is like, it feels like she, even though she's in a lot of Oscar Beatty movies, to me, it also feels just like so natural for her. I'm not like, oh, there she goes again, you know, right, right. it just feels like, no, these are the types of movies I actually like seeing her in though. So like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Um, it doesn't feel desperate, desperate. You were very desperate. No. And, and no. It and feels I, correct. And, and like you said before, like, there are times where she's 
felt better not being nominated. I, I don't yes. think, yeah. you know, maybe it's a casualty of the fact that she's British that like, she's going to end up in these movies that are it's the Christian Dunst yeah, of it all. Yeah, like yeah. She's just like, I am going to be me, the iconic star that I am. I don't give a fuck. And she said, you know, she had to have a healthy um, helping of fuck you. I'm just going to do me. Yeah. And that has. Yeah. She's, she's talked about yeah. having to thicken her skin. You know, she's so much more. I feel like we say that every time, but it's, it's easy to forget when you're looking at a celebrity that they're human. Right. I mean, it's, listen, it's hard to look at hot, straight, white people yeah. and be like struggles, especially who are movie stars make bajillion dollars. Like, yes, they're going to be okay. Correct. Like way luckier, has more, yeah. you know, privileges in life than we'll ever have. Totally. But also someone who is using their platform for good, someone who has been through hell and back, um, you know, yeah, they're also just human. And on top of that, like that, I think, uh, the joy that we get from watching Pride and Prejudice yeah. and Atonement and Anna Karenina and these things. It's like, yeah, we should protect these people at all costs because I want more of this. Yeah. Okay. And also, by the way, I will say <laughs> Joe Wright without Keira Knightley doesn't make the best movies either. So that's maybe my, what I want next is I would love another Joe Wright, Keira Knightley collab because she's clearly his muse. Oh and, yeah. You know, she she never would have he wouldn't have made pan on her watch. She would have been That's like, a Sarah now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that covers Kara Knightley. Godspeed, Kara Knightley, and keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, guys. We'll be there to watch. Hello. <laughs> but if you want to contact us, there are a myriad of ways of doing so. If you want to find us, you can find us on Twitter at, at the Mixed Reviews. We're on Facebook, just type in the Mixed Reviews. If you want to email us, you can write us little love notes at reviewsmixed at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram, just type in the underscore mixed underscore reviews. And if you want to listen to more of our episodes, like you listen to this entire episode, you can find us on a plethora of podcast apps. We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Audible, Amazon. And if you do listen to us on Apple Podcasts, go there, leave us a five-star ratings. Yes, all five. Please, all five. And then write us a little review. You can put anything in there that you want. You can put emojis. You can put declarations of love. You can put uh, whatever is your favorite episode. You can tell us how hot our guests are because canonically, Very hot. we only have hot guests yes. on this show. You could also put in your social security number, oh, your absolutely. blood type, your address. Oh, your PIN number. Yeah. Anything that we could use to steal your identity. We love stealing identities here on the Mixed Reviews. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We're going to try to get back on track to our schedule. We will see you all in two weeks. Bye. Bye. Bye.